feel like, particularly with our generation, like, people that are in their late 20s, early 30s, um, like, we were taught, like, to work on our weaknesses. Yeah. If you work on your weaknesses, then you can be perfectly well-balanced, and then you're, you know, and you're well-rounded, and then you're perfect. Mm. So, like, finding your strengths is a challenge now, because none of us know really what we're good at. We all had to spend, like, 16 grand in college to figure that out. Hey, this is Kishara, and you are listening to Undiscovered Worth, the podcast. So this is episode three of the Defining Moments series, where I'm basically interviewing people who are living all around the world about the moments and the experiences that have really shaped who they are and who they are becoming. And this episode, I speak with Nicole about um, overcoming our fears and figuring out what we're really, really good at instead of our weaknesses and learning to double down on that Um, and also speak to her about the empowerment that she gained from um, childbirth Um, she just had a son recently which is really exciting Um, I really hope that you enjoy this podcast episode if you do be sure to subscribe rate and share with your friends enjoy journey since I moved out when I was 18 mm-hmm. and the Lord's been so faithful to give me what I needed when I needed it um like my self-confidence was in the freaking gutter before I got a divorce like I didn't believe in myself like I didn't feel beautiful I never felt beautiful the whole time I was married um and then I did this really empowering thing, and I got a divorce. And for some reason, when it happened and how it happened, because I got divorced in a safe place, like when I got my divorce, I, I moved back in with my moms, and I ran their restaurant, and I kind of had freedom to, I had freedom to take care of the restaurant. But I also had freedom to pick the staff that I wanted. Mm. And we had an awesome, awesome staff. And it was my staff that worked with me um, that really showed me how to lighten up. But also, like, when I got my divorce, I didn't feel pressured to be a certain kind of Christian. I didn't feel like I had to live in anybody's shadow. And... I felt like I finally had value in my own right. I didn't have value based on who I was married to. And because, and like before I felt like because my gifts were different, they had no value. Mm. And like my ex-husband is a mystic and he does really cool things with that. And I felt like because I couldn't do what he could do, then I was wrong. And like the Lord didn't love me and I wasn't close to heaven. You said he was a what? He's a mystic. What is that? Um, like, oh, they're hard to Just that's the realm I'll put him in. Like, um, watch my knee. Um, madam, what's her name? She's French, but like, she really loved Jesus. Like, she did really trippy heaven stuff. Um, like, they're in that realm. And so, 
I felt like because I did, I wasn't walking in those things that the Lord didn't find as much value in me. Like I wasn't as special. Mm. And it's like, you know, you're special because Jesus loves you and that's how he created you. But then like you start to experience that. And I experienced feeling loved and valued for my existence outside of the church. Mm. And so my divorce actually brought with me like a ton of self-confidence, like, I finally felt beautiful. I didn't feel pressured to be any kind of way except myself. And um, I felt like it was okay for me to just be where I was for the first time ever. And getting a divorce really, like, helped me discover that I was worth love, that I was beautiful, that I actually did have a sense of humor. Um, Like, I tell people all the time, like, I got a divorce and got a personality. And then... (laughs) Like, I got engaged, like, the week my divorce papers were finalized, which sounds so insane, but, like, after I'd been healed from, like, a big chunk of rejection, like, I met my, I got remarried, like, I met my second husband, and it was, like, head over heels in love, like, fast-paced, like, you want to crush social norms, get engaged the day your divorce papers come in. (laughs) (laughs) Like... And I don't care. Like, that's just kind of how my life has always happened. Um, so I would say defining moment, getting a divorce and finding out that it was okay to be loved and that I was worth love and I actually was pretty. Hmm. Um, isn't it terrible to be with someone from his eight years and never feel beautiful when you're around them? Um, so that was a defining moment. Um, I think another defining moment was recently um, has been has been just identifying like how like just saying okay what I think about myself and how I was raised to be is absolutely not right and it's not okay for me to think these things anymore mm. and I don't have to do it anymore. <sighs> like you hold on to ideals because you think like out of respect almost like okay well. Maybe they didn't mean to hurt me, but it hurt. And so I just need to give space to this because they're the elders or they're the parents or whatever. Yeah. And that's honestly why I held on to so many negative trains of thought because I was like, well, you know, they might not have loved me very well, but, you know, I just need to honor them. So in like this backwards way of honoring them, like I was hurting myself. Yeah. So was there like a like a very specific moment where you come to that conclusion, or was it just over time? And then you looked yeah, up and realized I that I looked at my son and I was like, "Okay, I absolutely do not understand how someone like because I love my son so much, and this was like, I think he had been home like maybe four days, and I was like, "Okay, I absolutely positively do not understand." I just do not understand why they think or do how they think and do because how could you want to correct someone or harass someone or scold someone as a form of love? Yeah. That, like, what, like, why would you want to treat someone that way? Because I would never, ever want to do that to my son. And, like, really, he was four days old and I realized nothing that happened to me between, like, 12 and 17 should have happened. Like, why would you ever treat someone that way? And it really took me having my son to realize how messed up it was. Mm. 
Um, so I guess in, in what ways has he changed you besides like how we talked about your fears and, um, what we just talked about right now, but like as a person, how has he changed you? In the past, I used to feel like he's empowered me to be more social mm. when I want to be. Like, I have pretty bad um, social anxiety because it's rooted in, like, a fear of the unknown and fear of rejection because I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And in that way, he's empowered me to be, like, confident and brave. Uh-huh. And, like, it's worth taking the risks now because... He's worth it. Gotcha. What are your hopes for your son? Um, for him to have the freedom to be who he's created to be. Mm. Do you have any idea as far as how you would help him do that or raise him in that, that kind of way? Um, like, I know this sounds... This, is probably going to come out vague, but it's not how I mean it. Um, I want to be able to take what his needs and fears are and empower him not to live in his fears, but to live in his strengths. Mm. So, like, I feel like, particularly with our generation, like, people that are in their late 20s, early 30s, um, like, we were taught, like, to work on our weaknesses. Yeah. If you work on your weaknesses, then you can be perfectly well-balanced, and then you're, you know, and you're well-rounded, and then you're perfect. Mm. So, like, finding your strengths is a challenge now, because none of us know really what we're good at. We all had to spend, like, 16 grand in college to figure that out. Yeah. (laughs) um, I don't want him to have to go through that. I just want to be able to identify, like, what he's good at and help him run with it, Mm. instead of focusing on something that might be wrong. Or something that needs improvement. Let's just find his strengths and work with those. And build his success around what he's good at. And then when it's time for him to work on what's not work, what his strong suit. When it's time for to work on his weaknesses, we can do that in a healthy way. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, okay, how do you come to that conclusion? What do you mean? Like, I've, I've heard people say, you know, focus on your strengths, not, like, your weaknesses. Um or your uh-huh. fears, but, like, is that something you come up with your own, on your own, like, your own conclusion from life experiences, or did you read that from somewhere? Because I feel like I would only be able to come to that conclusion from reading it from somewhere, <laughs> from somebody smarter. Um, yeah, so um, I'm part of a business group where they, so, because I'm working on building my business with Young Living, and... Somebody said, if you feel like some, if you feel like what you're doing isn't working, it's, you need to stop looking at what your weaknesses are and find out where your strengths are and go with that. Mm. And like, I just heard this in December, like this is a recent thing. Okay. And (laughs) when she said that, it like unlocked this piece in my brain and I was like, okay, what am I good at? What Mm. are my strengths? Because I don't know, because I just know what I'm bad at. And like, people have tried to make me feel guilty about my existence. And how I exist in this world, and that's not right. Yeah. And so I'm looking at my son, and I'm like, okay, I want to figure out what his strengths are, and then we'll run with that. And those will probably change over time, but I want to run with his strengths. 
So how do you run with your strengths? Like, how did you determine what your strengths were? Um, well, I think I'm still figuring that out because, like, I've basically been told most of my life that I was bad. Mm. So, um, like, I'm really good with little people. And I, I, I come across harsh. It's just, like, it's not how I am, but that's how I'm perceived. But I'm actually, like, super sensitive and really gentle. Mm. Um, and so I think that's actually a strength, not a weakness, because it manifests as compassion. Yeah. Because that's what it really is. That's what sensitivity is. It's your heart breaking for someone else. Mm. Well, I'm like, I've already told you, but like, congratulations on the new baby. Thank you. I love him so much. Yeah, he's so cute. <laughs> like, all the cliche baby things that people say. I understand why they say it now. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I always thought it was so stupid. I was like, I'm not going to be this mom that takes, like, a thousand pictures of our kids sleeping. Mm, I'm totally that mom. <laughs> and, like, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, my newsfeed isn't going to be all about my son. It's totally about my son, and it's a complete accident. So funny. Like, I did not mean for that to happen. Um. <laughs> uh. What's your favorite part about being a mom? Um, I don't know, because, like, I was super scared of it, so I'm overcoming. I grew up in a super hostile, um, controlling, um, critical environment. Mm. And so I was afraid that as a mom I would reflect what was modeled for me when I was a teenager. And, like, I had my son, and it was like, I cannot imagine being I cannot imagine being to someone the way I was treated and so I think my favorite thing about motherhood is knowing like he's perfect and there's nothing he can do to take away my love for him yeah and like I kind of have a glimpse now of how the Lord feels about us Mm -hmm. like my son literally cannot do anything right now for me to be mad at him people will say oh he's like they're just a bad baby okay there aren't like bad babies don't exist yeah Parents that don't know what to do with babies exist. Yeah. And so I love, I love loving someone unconditionally because I didn't know what that was. Mm. Like you think, you know, and like when you're a believer, you experience the Lord's love for you. But there's something truly indescribable about parenthood that makes that an absolute reality. Man, that's, and I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Because, <laughs> like, I wasn't sound with a nanny before. And, like, I was a freaking good nanny. I love little people. Like, tiny humans are really misunderstood. <laughs> and um, I like interpreting them. But as a nanny, like, it was so stressful. And, like, it was so, like, all I could do was just, like, I could not wait for parents to come home and be with their kids. Because I wanted to be with my husband ex-husband when I was a nanny but I was a nanny when I was married the first time mm-hmm. and I was like no I want to go home I want to be with my people and my people didn't want to be with me but I wanted to be with them um <laughs> so I thought like as a mom I was like I'm gonna be bored and like I'm gonna be stressed out and I'm gonna be annoyed that like they won't leave me alone and like I don't like having to leave I love it when my son's in my business I don't like having to like Ask my mom to watch it, not because she's bad, like she rocks up being a grandmother, but because I just don't want to be away from it. Mm. Like I didn't think I was, I would be as attached to him as I am. Yeah. Because I wasn't that attached to the kids I was a nanny for, 
and it never seemed like the parents that I worked with were as attached to their kids as I am to my son. Mm. And I just had a lot of fears about this and it, none of my fears are happening. Mm. And that's good. <laughs> so I guess what has that taught you about fear itself? Um, well, after having a nine-pound baby, almost completely naturally, like, I didn't get an epidural until I was, like, almost fully dilated. Yikes. That was stupid. Um, but I had to have it because, um, like, my body was doing some weird stuff. I had to have it. Mm. Um, so, like, after you have a nine-pound baby, like, you can feel most of your delivery. Um, you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Nine pounds, that's pretty crazy. Because mm -hmm. usually the first ones are like smaller, right? You know, I thought that was the truth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I had it. So, um, a lot of my fears were rooted in how people felt about me because, because I grew up in such a critical environment. Like, my fear was other people. My fear was what people would think about me or if I messed up. Like, it's the end of the world and every everything I do has meaning. And if you mess one thing up, like, the whole thing is done. And, like, you just can't do that. Mm. Like, even down to, like, how you make a peanut butter and jelly or load the dishwasher. Mm. Like, just terrified of doing it wrong. And it, it was such a crippling way to live. And now that, like, when you have a non-pound baby, like, you realize, like, it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks about you. You're just pushed a human being out of your body. Yeah. And, like, it, it lived there for 10 freaking months, and it didn't kill you. Okay, like, after you do that, it's so empowering. And I didn't expect my birth to be empowering because I didn't have a home birth, and I had to have an epidural. And so, like, I didn't expect to feel empowered. But I was, like, I totally am. Like, some hard things have happened, and now I'm like, I can do anything. Like, it doesn't matter how I load the dishwasher. It doesn't matter how I make my peanut butter and jelly. It doesn't matter if I mess up anymore because it's not as, like, every move I make is not as critical as I was taught to believe it was. Yeah. Like, there's, there's grace for me to exist in my space. Ooh, can you say that one more time? There's grace for me to exist in my space. That is so good. There's grace for me to exist in my space. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that's so true, though. Huh. I don't think we show ourselves enough grace. For sure not. Because <laughs> we're taught that what we're doing is wrong. Yeah. Because it doesn't look like... It doesn't look like Pinterest, and it doesn't look like celebrity lifestyle. Yeah. And so if it's not that, then we're doing something wrong. That's not reality. Yeah. Anytime you do anything that conflicts, a so like, contradicts a social norm, you're going to be judged for it. And that's not, like, the, the most prominent display of you going against cultural norms is how you raise your child. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'll have to listen back on the part where you said, uh... Dang it. See, I already forgot. Um, showing ourselves grace 
to exist. Uh, like, we have grace to exist in our own space. Yes, we have grace to exist in our own space. I'm literally going to get off this phone, and I'm going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, because that was really good. I don't know you, I could say stuff. Like you came up with that on your own? I literally thought you got that out of a book. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, have you been listening to Brene Brown? <laughs> no, but people tell me, like, I will think something and, like, go through some kind of healing or experience something, and then somebody will post a quote by her, and it's literally what I just, like, experienced. <laughs> well, it's like what you said we were messaging on, um facebook how you said um creating an online space to activate people to their destiny Mm -hmm. i was like okay i know she got that from some book like (laughs) it was like an aha moment for me no i don't but that was that was pretty amazing too I've been listening to these business builders and I like do it scared, do it anyway. The reward is worth it. So mm-hmm. like my, my words for 2018 were belief brave because I've lived in so much fear, but I've always like acted on faith. And so I'm, now I need to like see where the Lord is faithful with my action and like keep doing it because like for a while I stopped thinking that I could do that. So I'm going to believe brave 